Hello and welcome back to FarmCast, presented by the University of Arizona College of Pharmacy. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Edwards, Assistant Professor and Clinical Pharmacy Specialist in Emergency Medicine. And I'm here with my co-host, Allie Bridges, in spirit. She can't join us today for the audio portion, but still will be doing all of the production on the back end. So thank you, Allie. Uh, Allie is our Director of Communications at the UA College of Pharmacy. And this episode is titled, What to Expect When You're Expecting to Be a Pharmacist. So since it's August, we know that this is the start of the pharmacy uh, school year, and we wanted to do an episode to get some current students on to share their experiences and help to prepare incoming or potentially interested students uh, in terms of what to expect with their pharmacy journey. Today, we have two PharmD students from the College of Pharmacy with us. Anita Ramados is a P3 from the class of 2023, and Samantha Dando is a rising P2 from the class of 2024. Thank you both for being here today. Thank you for having us. So I'll start by asking each of you what your inspiration was to pursue a career in pharmacy. Um, so I've always, in my undergraduate studies, I've always found my chemistry classes to be my favorites. I always really was interested in how medicines and different chemicals can have a physical effect on the body. Um, I was originally an undergrad trying to go to med school, but once I kind of discovered that passion for chemistry, I thought pharmacy would be really beneficial to me and, and I, a field that I would enjoy more than pursuing medicine. I also didn't really realize until a bit later on towards high school and college as well, I always knew I wanted a career in healthcare, but I wasn't sure if that meant medical, pharmacy, nursing, or whatever else it may have been. Um, so in high school, I was doing some research in a hospital, and I really actually just liked the role of a pharmacist in a hospital setting. And so it led me to other shadowing opportunities in community pharmacy, and I just really started to grow in pharmacy and liked it and ended up going to pharmacy school. That's fantastic. I, I always encourage people to take advantage of those shadowing opportunities while they're students because there's really no better way to get a feel for what the day-to-day -day is going to look like from for various like pharmacists working in different capacities. So uh, that's I'm glad that you had the ambition to do that as a as a student, and uh, I would encourage other students to do the same. I think that's a, a really really great opportunity. So uh, what else did you guys do to help prepare yourselves for pharmacy school? I personally didn't do too much to prepare for pharmacy school, mainly because I just really had no idea what I was, you know, getting into. Um, I didn't have too many friends in pharmacy school or that had already gone through pharmacy school. So a lot of it for me was just a lot of nerves before. But I think working in pharmacy prior to pharmacy school is really useful just because I was getting to know like very commonly used medications, their brand and generics or their uses. And looking back um, to my first year of pharmacy school, coming in knowing that ended up being really useful. Um, for me in undergrad, I was lucky enough to be a part of the first graduating class of the pharmaceutical sciences major. Um, that was like a really great like sample of what pharmacy school would be. You get to like meet all the new professors and you get to meet people who are interested in pharmacy that you'll likely see in pharmacy school. Um, I also had a few friends that were P2s, P3s, and they would um, sort of give me tips on what to expect in terms of entering pharmacy school and how different it would be from undergrad. Um, so that helped a lot as well. So what were the, what were the biggest uh, pieces of advice that you got from your friends that you thought were really helpful and, and that you'd like to, that you could pass on to uh, our audience? Um, it was mainly the biggest piece of advice was just to stay on top of your schedule because um, going from like undergrad to a graduate program is going to be stressful no matter what. Um, so just finding a balance in life, whether it be like 
work, school, and relaxation, um, and just trying not to take things too seriously, I think was another point that they made, which was really important. <laughs> what challenges did you guys face during the application process, if any? Um, for me, the most stressful part of the entire application process was the interviews. It's just always an intimidating setting to be talking to professors while trying to get into their program because <laughs> they've done like so many great things and you're just an undergrad student who just either is in the process of finishing your degree or not planning on finishing your degree. So that was definitely a challenge, just like not trying to seem that you're like a stiff robot regurgitating what they wanna hear, that they wanna actually see that you're like a real person um, that has interests outside of pharmacy, but will also be a good student. <laughs> Totally. And that's such good advice uh, for, for interviewing well, right, is to not be a robot, just be yourself. And everybody says that it's really hard to do sometimes, but uh, looks like you were successful. I think the interview was super stressful, but I think even getting to the interview was a big challenge for me as well. I felt like I was balancing all these different deadlines like I needed to take my PCAT and I needed to fill out these essays and then these supplemental questions on the FarmCast app and then I needed to send a transcript and I had like other classes at a community college so I needed to get all of that taken care of. Luckily the College of Pharmacy admission staff was really helpful with my various emails um, but I think just staying on top of all the other things just to get to the interview for me was really challenging. Just to echo that the the staff um and the admissions office is just wonderful. You know, they're really responsive. They're experts. They've been, most of them have been doing this for a very long time. So again, uh, you know, good on you for, uh, for reaching out with questions and, uh, and really, you know, taking advantage of having that resource available. Uh, so that's definitely something that I would encourage people to do if they, if they do encounter questions and they're having a hard time figuring something out. So do you have any advice for pre-farm students about both the application and interview process? Um, I guess mine is like, every person that you meet along the way, like even during your application interview process and beyond, every person you meet could impact your decision and just be open to advice and be receptive to what other people may have to say to you. And on the day of the interview, treat every person you meet like they could be your interviewer because you never know how far a good or a bad impression can reach. And you just wanna keep that in mind and keep that at the front of your head. Um, Throughout the interview process, um, a lot of the questions on supplementals, as well as through the interview itself, um, are questions trying to see who you are as a person. And honestly, it's really easy to just write what you think will sound good, not even if, even if it doesn't like pertain to you. Um, you think that your professors or the college wants to hear this when it's really, they just really want to see who you are as a person. They can sniff out fake people real easily. They've been doing this for years. So um, I just think it's really important on those supplementals and in person to be true to yourself, really talk about what's interesting to you and what's important to you. All right, so we're gonna transition a little bit. And uh, now that we're through the application process, we're through the admissions process, you're in your first year, how are your expectations different than the reality of that first year of pharmacy school? Yeah, I think I knew pharmacy school was gonna be hard, but I just didn't know how or in what form it would be. 
I think I was really surprised at how many classes I had and how big my class was. So I felt like I was just like this one person with a huge crowd of people. Um, and I was super intimidated, definitely my first day. Um, and then just as I felt like I was finding my place and making all these friends and having a good time, I went to spring break and a pandemic hit and I never came back to school. Um, so like, I feel like your expectation is just never really what reality is. And that's just a part of life. But first year pharmacy school definitely had a lot of surprises. I bet. So getting into the the curriculum a little bit, was it harder than you guys expected, easier than you guys expected, nothing like you expected, um, or or about exactly what you were expecting in terms of, of difficulty, workload, that kind of thing? Um, I think it was definitely more challenging than I expected. I think I didn't expect to have to, like, pivot my time as much like I didn't expect that I would have you know like three exams in three different rows or three days in a row and just have to constantly like be remembering that I or reminding myself necessarily that yeah I can't just focus all my attention towards one thing like you have to um you know balance the different classes you have or balance work in school um so I think I, I was surprised at how challenging it became to balance the curriculum um, I agree. I think the curriculum was harder than I expected, um, especially coming from the undergrad pharmaceutical sciences major. A lot of the professors, they um, teach you like the broad idea of a topic and then they'll be like, um, but you'll learn more about this in pharmacy school. And then to have it actually hit in pharmacy school that you're into the thick of it, like you actually are learning why this is and like all the details. Um, I think that was the most like surprising, shocking thing, but it was really fun because you finally feel like you're, you're, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're finally in the meat of it all. Um, so what was the biggest shock about your first year? What was the, the most surprising thing, excluding the pandemic? Because uh, I, think, I think we all got caught off guard with that one, but, but what else really surprised you? I was surprised to see how different um everybody is in my class so um in undergrad you're all kind of the same age and you kind of group your friends at least when in my undergrad experience based on what you were studying because you just spend the most time together with the people that you're studying with but in pharmacy school I think it's really interesting that the people in your class come from so many different walks of life they're going to be older they're going to be younger they're going to have families um, they're going to just be starting a new job. And I think it's really interesting that school is, is not their entire life. Like they ha everybody has different things going on and it just makes them more interesting people, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that diversity is like probably one of the coolest things about being in pharmacy school because like there's such little judgment on where you are in life and what brought you to pharmacy school. Like we're all just going through it together and it's super cool and I'm so grateful that my classmates are super open to all these different friendships and we like it's just age is but a number like it really is when you get to pharmacy school but I think one of the most surprising things that I found in my first year was just like how applicable what I was learning was um, like we were talking about we have a super broad range of classes like you're learning communication you're learning public health but you're also learning like biochemistry and pharmacology and very quickly on into being in pharmacy school while I was at work I was talking to patients and I was realizing like oh I really am kind of tying together what I'm learning and I can see how it 
affects my ability to provide like quality patient care. So I was really shocked and it definitely made me like a lot more invested in my education and a lot more passionate about like truly learning what I was doing. I definitely agree. Um, that was the diversity of, of my class when I was in pharmacy school is definitely one of the best things about it. Just got to meet so many different people from so many different walks of life. So those are both really great answers. What was the biggest challenge that you faced in your first year? Um, I think for me, it was just establishing that school was only one part of what I needed to do during the year. Um, like I still was a friend and a family member and I was still an employee. Um, I would get super flustered and overwhelmed when I first started pharmacy school. And I, I knew that wasn't healthy for me in the long term. And I just needed to overcome that in order to feel better like about myself in school and so I think just like taking a step back every once in a while and just remembering like I, I was working towards something bigger and these minor setbacks like we're not gonna you know pull me back from this larger goal I was working towards and and realizing that early on definitely helped me like as I you know went through more and more challenges. I agree um so I, I consider myself a very type a person like I like to do things on my own I'm very independent but I think the biggest challenge I faced in my first year was realizing that it's okay to ask people for help like sheesh you're going through the same thing um with so many people and like it would be stupid to not ask others for help like we're all going through the same thing um you realize that some people pick things up certain topics better than you can. And at the end of the day, our biggest goal is to become good pharmacists that'll help patients. So um, I think the biggest challenge is just realizing that you're not in this journey on your own and it's not a competition among your peers. It's just helping each other to become the best pharmacists we can be in the end. Yeah, and I think, I think it's really important what you were saying, Sam, too, because like learning to not compare yourself to your classmates is really important. I know that I take a lot longer to get concepts. And so I might take like six hours to just understand something that comes really quickly to one of my classmates. And I used to let that kind of bear down on me a lot, but I've learned that as long as I get there at the end, like it's okay. Um, and to just like, let it be, I think it was really important for me too. That's such good advice for even after pharmacy school as well. I, I think that, you know, once you get out into practice, it's, it's a very collaborative environment, right? Like I ask my colleagues who have more experience or expertise in a given area questions all the time. And I learn and grow from asking those questions. And so, you know, what you're learning in pharmacy school about that collaborative approach to things uh, will, will help make you much better uh, pharmacists as well once you get out into the workforce. So uh, really good to hear that you're learning those skills. Uh, Anita, one of the things that you mentioned is that you, you have this big goal in mind. Um, and I, I probably have some vague notion as to what that is, uh, because I know you, but, you know, I'll ask you to share it for our audience. Um, but did going through, um, your first year make you change any of your professional or, or personal goals and, and how has this uh, newfound experience sort of influenced your plans for the future? I think I'm a much different person than I was when I started first year pharmacy school. And I feel like I've talked about this with you, Dr. Edwards too, but I think that when I stepped into pharmacy school, I already knew that I, you know, was nowhere near as experienced as a lot of my classmates. And so I very highly valued staying open-minded. Um, all throughout pharmacy school, we would hear from different professors and different experts and different avenues of pharmacy. And every single, almost every single person I met had a job that I thought I wanted or a job that I could see myself doing. And I just wanted to do everything and I wanted to learn everything. 
And looking back on it, I'm really glad that I did because I came into pharmacy school working in ambulatory care at a, you know, a call center at the medication management center. And now I work in more acute care at a hospital setting. And I'm glad that I stayed open-minded enough to allow myself to change avenues and navigate myself like that. And I'm sure that in the next five years, I'll change my mind five more times. Um, and so I, I think that I've changed a lot in what I'm passionate about and what I think I wanna do. And I'm like, very well aware that I will probably continue to change. When I was in undergrad learning about pharmacy, um, I felt like you went without being in pharmacy school, you think um, the two routes of pharmacy are working in retail or working in a hospital. And it's very like white and black. And um, finally, when I was a P1, we had a class with Dr. Spencer where different pharmacists from different fields just came and talked to us about what they do and me finally working in a retail pharmacy, you realize that there's so much more that goes into it. Like every pharmacist you meet does something different and they're all beneficial to patients in different ways. And I think it's really important to just like what Anitha said, keep your mind open and um, never set yourself up. Because in undergrad, when I was going into pharmacy school, I was so like honed in on becoming like a hospital pharmacist when I really had no idea what that really consisted of. Um, but through Dr. Spencer's class and talking to other um, pharmacists and pharmacy students about what their interests are and what your rotations, um, what their rotations have been and what your rotations will be, um, it's really easy to find other fields that you're interested in. Yeah, that open-mindedness is really critical because you're going to get exposed to a lot of different potential opportunities for your future. And I would encourage you to explore as many of them as you can to find the one that really, really um, gets you excited and gets you passionate about, about that field, about that area. So, you know, pharmacy school is, it's a challenging thing, right? And it's going to expose you to, you know, not only a lot of, of scholarly challenges, but, you know, personal challenges, it may sort of, it, it can change you, right? And it can, it can kind of change the way that you view the world, the way you view patient care, uh, things like that. How have you changed as a person or as a student uh, from the beginning of your first year until now? And, and were these things that you expected or did they kind of surprise you? So I think the just like in general, applying to a healthcare graduate program, you're always thinking that your main concern is, will I be able to handle the coursework and take in everything that I need to know in order to become like a knowledgeable healthcare worker? But I think once you're in the thick of pharmacy school, you realize that like half of becoming a pharmacist is interacting with the patients as well. And you start to realize that yeah, you may know all these things, but if you can't relate to patients, you're kind of useless. Like you need to learn how to like um, talk to patients and really sort of realize that they maybe they're struggling with other things other than their health that are um, stressing them out. So just becoming like a compassionate um, person that you can talk to and relate to people will really help you as any sort of healthcare worker. Such good, such a good uh, observation. There's a, a book that I read, I think when I was in pharmacy school by a guy called, uh, his name is Paul Farmer. And I believe the book is called Mountains Beyond Mountains or something along those lines. And uh, it talks about work that he did in Haiti as a physician. And he initially went in and, you know, came in with a 
few bottles of antibiotics, you know, ready to save the world. And then he realized he could give these people all the antibiotics in the world, but it probably wasn't going to make a difference if their living conditions didn't uh, didn't change. And uh, and you know, reading that kind of stuff uh, kind of changed my perspective. Similar to what you were talking about with, you know, realizing that those social determinants of health can be, you know, majorly impactful on someone's adherence to a medication regimen, or that their priorities might not be to buy their antihypertensives or they're struggling to buy food. So yeah, that, that compassion towards patients was definitely something that uh, I cultivated during pharmacy school as well. And, and I'm glad you brought that up. Very good stuff. Yeah, I think what I was, what I have seen myself change the most and honestly it lines up with what you just shared too, because I think the biggest skill that I've learned or how I've changed is adaptability in general. I think you think that you have your schedule or you think you know what you're going to get done and then something comes up and it feels like the end of the world sometimes and it just isn't. Um, sometimes I thought I would have like four hours to do a club meeting and study for an exam and I'd be good for the night and then I would get caught up at work and I wouldn't get home in time and and so just learning to be flexible with circumstances and just be able to um, kind of just reorder what you need to do and just keep your priorities and and just realign yourself when something changes is just super important. And that applies to school. And I think that I learned that first in school, but it just really makes more sense when you start working too and in the field, like you can't save every patient and you can't cure everyone, but what you can do is do the best you can in the eight hours you have in a day or the four hours you have in your shift and, you know, make a small change and build on that the next day and work on that the next week or work on that the next time you see them. And eventually like you will make a change and you will make an impact and just know that you can work at things slowly and it doesn't have to all be done at once and you can adapt to circumstances when they change. So I think that's a, a nice segue into our conversation about work-life balance. So what skills have you developed or what challenges have you faced um, regarding developing a good work-life balance? Um, for me, when I started pharmacy school, I think it was honestly just like my location itself. Um, my direct family is mostly in Phoenix. And so going back and forth between Phoenix and Tucson was really difficult at first. My first year, I felt like I was running around between work, school, clubs, and family and like at the end of every week or month, I oftentimes felt like I was burnt out and I just had to remember to take things day by day and, and to not just stress about what I'm missing or what I could be missing because I cannot be five places at once, no matter how hard I tried. Um, I learned that the hard way multiple times and I just needed to understand that sometimes like in a given day, you can only do so much and, and just like, there's always more time and you can always make up for lost time in different ways. Yeah. Um, for me, the most difficult thing I think was um, trying to break old habits. So you always hear about like, you shouldn't procrastinate as a student, especially in pharmacy school. And that's like really easy to say. But um, since my whole first year was online, it, I spent so much time just like in my room in general. And when you're doing school in the same place that you relax and you find as your like space away from everything else, that line sort of gets blurred and you just find yourself wasting a lot of time thinking um, that you can always do it later. And then when the time comes up like exams, you find yourself stressing. And I think the most important thing is to just kind of like, instead of doing 
one long study session of four hours, I find it really beneficial to just break things up. So like do an hour of studying and then get something to eat, come back, do another hour, go to the gym, do something active or like talk to friends. Um, I just find it easier to stay focused in short bursts rather than like one long marathon of studying. Yeah, that's that's such good advice. And when we transition to doing virtual and, and I think as we find the new norm, which is probably going to involve more more hybrid classes, I think that, you know, even if you can't come to class or, or you, you know, coming to the campus to go to class doesn't fit your schedule, uh, definitely try to at least attend um, the, during the schedule of class time on Zoom, um, even if the option, even if there is an option to watch a recording later, uh, because just like you were saying, if you can keep that schedule, if you can, you know, allot that hour, hour and a half, you know, that block of time that's already kind of on your schedule for viewing those classes, um, you'll actually do it as opposed to just putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And then all of a sudden you've got to catch up on, you know, six weeks of lectures before an exam. And like, there's no way that anybody can do that, right? Like you're, that's going to put you behind the eight ball. So yeah, that's definitely something that I encourage uh, my students to do. I, I do make, you know, attendance optional in, in the classroom, but highly, highly, highly recommend that you find a way to attend either in person or on Zoom during that, that scheduled class time, because it, it really does make all the difference if you if you kind of stick to that uh, schedule. Um, I know we've kind of talked a little bit about some tips for maintaining a good work-life balance, but do you guys have any other uh, tips that you'd like to share with your incoming P1s about finding or maintaining that good work-life balance? So I think um, when starting pharmacy school, it's really important to find your people, even though it might be hard at first. Introductions are always weird and awkward, um, but my roommates right now are also P2s. And um, they've helped a lot in managing your stress and just finding things to do that don't revolve around school, I think is really important. And um, I've never been this active in terms of just like working out or going on hikes. My roommates are really into that. And I feel like in undergrad, I never really um, did any of that but it really does help with the stress. It's like a really great way to release stress just by going on a hike or going to the gym or even playing a sport. God knows I'm not good at sports, but it's fun to at least try. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, adding to what Sam was saying, I think there's sometimes this notion that your work, school, and social life balance are three separate things, and you have to dedicate a set amount of time to each of them in order to be like a overall well-balanced person. But sometimes you can overlap the two. Like if you have a study group and you enjoy their company, like use that to your ability. And if you're stuck on campus studying at the library, like, go grab a bite with them or go on a hike with them on a Saturday and then go back to work and just making it fun. I, I honestly don't think that the three have to be separate from each other. And I think like balance in general is, you know, is, is better done when you can, can merge what you love and, and you know, combine your, the different things that you might be involved in. Um, and I found that that was really useful for me in my first year. And I definitely hope to continue doing that as we start to, you know, go back in person and stuff. Do you guys have any examples of ways that you balance your time? Yeah. So, um, on YouTube, there are these fun, like hourly timers and it's just like an hour long video with a clock that ticks down from like an hour to zero. And honestly, that little thing has helped me so much in just staying focused because 
the second you like reach for your phone to look at something, you like look at the timer and you're like, oh no, I gotta get back to what I'm doing. This timer is gonna run out and I still don't know anything about diabetes. So yeah, that's actually helped a lot. Yeah, um, I am similar to the timing, but um, forgive me if I mispronounce this, but I think it's called the Pomodoro method. And it's essentially like, you spend a certain amount of time studying and then you take a break for a certain amount of time. And as it goes on, like you spend more and more time. Um, and it just like reminds you to keep a break because absolutely no one can just like study for eight hours. It's like an unrealistic expectation. Um, and so I'm also a big fan of timers and like using like just time to keep me motivated to keep going, but also to let me reward myself every once in a while. So I agree with you, Sam. I love, I love like scheduling myself some breaks. It's so funny because I do the same thing, even as a faculty member, you know, when I'm working in my office and writing a paper or preparing a lecture, I usually set a timer for about an hour and then I'll take a 10 minute break. And just if you ever see me walking around outside, that's that's what I'm doing. I'll just do a, do a lap around the building, just getting that little bit of uh, stretch, fresh air, sunshine uh, gets me set up to really be productive in that next hour, as opposed to maybe just picking up my phone and, you know, checking Twitter or whatever and, and getting sucked into that um, vortex of, of time wastage. So, uh, yeah, I really like that method of, of setting a timer, having a set break period and then getting back to it. So transitioning a little bit to mental health, um, have you guys started focusing on your mental health, uh, more during pharmacy school? Have you guys noticed a, a need for anything like that? And, and what advice would you have regarding mental health for the incoming P1s? Pharmacy school has most definitely made me focus a lot more on my mental health. Um, and it's also taught me it's okay to do that. Um, I think that at the College of Pharmacy, there is a very strong community and mental health is absolutely a topic that a lot of my peers and even my professors have been very willing to discuss and share their perspective on. I think when I get caught up in a week of finals or I feel super stressed at work, I often forget to you know, take a step back and give myself a break like we've been talking about. And as overwhelming as pharmacy school can be sometimes, it's been really comforting for me to know that I have classmates surrounding me that are by my side, might be going through something similar to what I'm going through and at the very least be willing to talk to me about it. And that's given me a lot of relief and comfort these past few years. Um, with all the changes that we've gone through. I agree. I think that was one of the most surprising things to me about starting pharmacy school was how receptive the professors and the faculty were um, in terms of mental health. They know the program's hard and they know what you're getting yourself into, but I, I don't think I was expecting that much support as they were giving us. Um, at the Almost at the end of every class, they would say things like, make sure you're taking care of yourselves, like take a break, make sure you're eating. Like simple reminders like that meant so much to us who were trying to navigate the new world of pharmacy with the pandemic. Um, it was just really nice to have those reminders from supposedly like the most stressful part of our lives. And I think, I remember one of my professors when we were learning about like mental health in pharmacy telling us that accepting that you may be in that position and understanding that makes you a better healthcare provider because being able to understand mental health and, and understand how it works and how it can affect someone just makes you a much more empathetic provider. Um, and it, it makes your patient care like of much higher quality and learning that and realizing that made me a lot more comfortable with the topic as a whole. And I definitely see like how rewarding that that's been 
um, as I've gone through school. Yeah, and adding what Anitha said, was saying about um, that talking about mental health and taking care of your own mental health makes you a better provider because at the end of the day, like when we're helping patients, if there's something on your mind that is preventing you from becoming um, the best healthcare provider you can be, um, it's really hard to take care of somebody else. Like we're not machines, we're human. We deal with our own emotions and our own challenges. But as healthcare providers, we have that added stress of um, taking care of every patient that we see. And um, if you're not taking care of your own self, um, that really limits your ability to take care of other people as well. Definitely. You have to take care of yourself before you can take care of others, 100%. Um, this seems like a good time to plug some of the services that are offered by the University of Arizona and by the college. Um, if you are struggling with your mental health or if you're concerned uh, and would like to talk to a counselor, there are services available. Um, you can make um, counseling appointments through Campus Health. Uh, they provide high quality uh, medical and mental health care um, for students of the university. Um, there are also counseling and psychiatric services or the CAPS hotline that's available 24-7. Uh, and you can reach that by calling 520 621-3334. Again, that's 520-621-3334. Um, these are completely anonymous. I believe they're free for students. And if you feel like you're struggling or you feel like you need someone to talk to, uh, definitely take advantage of those services that are offered by the university. Now, um, do you guys have any recommendations for um, avoiding burnout? Uh, that's certainly something that can, that can affect uh, new students to a grad program. Uh, how can you maintain the, the positive attitude that you both seem to have Although I'm guessing summer break probably helped a bit with that. Um, one of the ways that I sort of prevented burnout, I guess, is um, in first semester of pharmacy school, it was all very overwhelming with like the material that you're learning and just navigating life in general. Um, it's easy to just kind of put things off and then go on your phone, think you're relaxing. And then when the time comes, you're super stressed out. Um, the best way that I, I think that helped me prevent burnout is the, I set like a lock on my phone for all social media apps. That was really beneficial because um, social media is a whole in of itself. Um, there's just like certain expectations to live up to on social media and like different topics that you can look up and just go into a rabbit hole for hours. And I think um, that along with the material that you're learning in school, it's just like another distraction. So putting that lock on like all social media apps was so beneficial because I could, I found it easier to focus on what I needed to be focusing in that moment. I guess mine is similar, but it's not necessarily with social media, but I started doing this my first year. I think that one of my classmates actually recommended this to me and I have done it ever since. Um, when I start to feel like I'm getting burnt out it's because I'm playing catch up. Like I feel like one day I something comes up and the next day I stay up all night cramming or doing something else. And then the next day I feel like I haven't done what I need to do for the rest of the week. And so I, I just feel like I'm playing this game of catch up and then all of a sudden I'm like not sleeping and I'm super stressed. So I started setting a timer or like, not a, I guess not a timer, but like a mental timer where at the end of the day, like at 9 p.m. or 9.30, like whatever I haven't done is no longer like a today problem. So. Um, if I say this at 2.30, like I will do everything I can until 9 or 9.30. And once that time comes, like if I haven't studied, like what I've done is what I've done. Or if I haven't 
made a meeting or written a paper or study for a quiz, like I can wake up early tomorrow and do it, or I can figure out some other way to get it done, but I need to get sleep and I still need like eight hours of sleep. Like I'm still a human being. And so I think just knowing that sometimes when I feel like life's getting a bit too much and I'm, I'm like falling behind, just reminding myself that I just need a day where I can catch up on sleep and then I will worry about the next problems the next day. Going off of that sleep is so important. Like I am a big non-believer in all-nighters because the nights that I pull all-nighters, I feel the next day I'm just like stressed out and on the verge of tears at any second. But if I'm like super stressed out and I still find time to sleep, the next day isn't nearly as bad. So all this talk about getting a good night's sleep, I'm going to go in the opposite direction now and ask if you guys have plans for pursuing residency after graduation. Just kidding about the sleep thing. Residents do get sleep too. Um, and a lot of the skills that you're developing now in terms of you know maintaining good work-life balance, preventing burnout, all of those things become even even more critical during residency because it's you know, sort of that, that next level, right? You're going to have a lot of projects and a lot of uh, work to do, a lot of patient care activities. But yeah, um, are you guys planning to pursue residency after graduation? Um, so as of right now, I feel like I'm still a baby, I guess, in terms of pharmacy school. And I'm still learning that I all I can about every field. Uh, at this point, um, a residency sounds interesting to me. And I guess I'll learn more about it later on. But I have no idea if I will pursue a residency as of right now. Um, just like you, Sam, I also feel like I'm super young and I have no idea what I wanna do or where I wanna be, like I said earlier. Uh, as of now, I'm interested in applying to residency um, and I'm definitely like open-minded to the idea. I think having an extra year to maybe just like explore different avenues of pharmacy seems kind of comforting to me right now. So I'm definitely interested in applying to one um, but like I said, I also know that I changed my mind a lot and I'm okay with that. So I'm, I'm still figuring out exactly what I might want to do. Fair enough. Fair enough. So it sounds like you guys are still kind of in the, in the decision phase. I'm going to pitch residency a little bit and, uh, you know, try to sway you guys towards it. Um, so for listeners who aren't familiar with residency training, basically it's uh, one or two years of postgraduate training after you finish your PharmD program. Uh, typically done in a clinical setting um, where you will do rotations similar to fourth year. Um, usually you have a little bit more autonomy because you are a licensed practicing pharmacist at that point in time, uh, but you're still working with preceptors in order to uh, gain additional knowledge and experience uh, working in a clinical setting. Um, you also will have longitudinal projects like a research project. Uh, you'll put together a continuing education uh, seminar or two. Um, a lot of presentations, opportunities to teach um, pharmacy students who are on rotation. Uh, so you start to take on that role of a preceptor and really learn how to hone those skills and abilities. And it's really sort of uh, a great opportunity to teach you to be sort of that, that next level of pharmacist after you've uh, completed the PharmD program. I am a strong advocate for residency training. Um, ASHP uh, actually recently updated one of their policies regarding um, uh, residency training and encourage any pharmacist who's involved in direct patient care uh, should be residency trained. Um, so it's something that I, I would encourage you guys to strongly consider if um, you guys want a role where you're you know, working uh, clinically. Um, and I think that it's something that if, you, if you're interested in or uh, at all interested in, uh, it's certainly something you should ask um, your mentors about uh, so that you can 
sort of gear your pharmacy school uh, or pharmacy career uh, towards residency training early on? Because uh, there are some steps that you can take to make yourself a more competitive applicant. And I'm guessing since you guys, neither of you made a face like, what is this guy talking about when I mentioned residency, that you guys are both familiar with residency training. Um, but, you know, and since you guys are both somewhat interested in residency training, are there any steps that you're taking in order to help make yourself a, a competitive applicant for residency in the future? Uh, or is, is that just something that's sort of like, eh, maybe I'll give it a shot? No, I think it's definitely something that I, I try to keep in mind. Um, I like one of my first months of pharmacy school, I asked almost all of my mentors and preceptors, like, what advice do you have for me in order to keep myself like an active and engaged competitive candidate um, to apply for residency program? And what I found I agree with and what I found I'm grateful for the advice I've received is mainly like just knowing it's not just classes and it's just not about getting straight A's. Like you still wanna be involved in a lot of clubs um, pharmacy related or non-pharmacy related, but just like be an active community member um, and just like continue to network. I think networking has like really become very rewarding for me as I go through pharmacy school and I'm sure it will continue to be so. Um, and just staying like working and just being employed in pharmacy and getting like real world pharmacy experience as I go through school has been really valuable for me. Um, and I think that that's also some of my advice for any incoming P1 is if you're able to, or if you find the time in your schedule to work in pharmacy, I think it's really helpful and just makes you a more well-rounded student. I agree. Um, I talked to my mentor as well about possibly looking into residencies and she said exactly what Anita said. Um, just keep yourself active in, in terms of like the workforce in pharmacy um, because that will find you new gateways to new opportunities and just really get to know other people that are in pharmacy as well. Cause you always hear like the world of pharmacy is so small and it's so true. It's proven itself. Like everybody knows everybody and it's crazy. And, um, and just getting to know people that are in pharmacy in ways that don't necessarily involve pharmacy, like in terms of making, getting, uh, making good relationships with your professors, um, they're people too. They don't always want to talk about pharmacy. They have their own interests. And I think it's really cool to find like mutual interests with those professors uh, because um, when some, you never know when like, um, an opportunity presents itself and they'll um, sort of give you information on how to pursue that opportunity um, because they you were the first person that came to mind. Um, so I think that's really important too. Definitely. Pharmacy is such a small world and it's so interconnected um, that the connections that you make during school um, and, and even after school are going to probably continue to hopefully help you, maybe haunt you for the rest of your life. Um, so <laughs> since, you know, we, we're on the line here, we're on the Zoom call, and uh, I, I have some experience with, you know, residency training, both from uh, the preceptor side as a residency program director and, and as someone who's been involved with residency training throughout most of my career. Um, do you guys have any questions about residency that I could potentially answer for you or, or for our audience? Yeah. Um, so when people apply to residencies, what do you look for in a candidate? That's a really good question. The application process is interesting. So um, basically every program is required to have a, a standardized rubric in terms of how they screen applicants, right? Um, and so there are 
things that are obvious like GPA and, you know, whether or not they've worked in a pharmacy that, you know, it's basically a checkbox or, or something that you can pretty easily um, say yes or no to. Um, for me, I think the things that differentiate candidates are um, really the letter of intent. Um, that's where you get a feel for who that person is and why they're interested in residency training, particularly at your institution. Um, so that letter of intent is, is really critical in terms of getting some insight into, into who that person is. Um, the other things that I, I really like to see are, you know, work history, like has this person, um, you know, been able to balance school and work and still maintain some semblance of, of you know, at least uh, enough of a, a, a emotional stability that they're considering, uh, you know, continuing to get education beyond uh, their their uh, pharmacy training. Other things that I'll look for um you know, did that patient, uh, sorry, did that student do a research project? Um, were they able to get uh, a publication out of it or present a poster at mid-year? Because I think that shows a little bit more um, just ambition and drive. Um, you know, if they're able to complete a longitudinal project that shows good project management skills um, and, you know, if they're able to get a poster done and, and presented at, you know, something like mid-year, ACCP, um, it shows that they were able to, you know, meet certain deadlines and, and get things done on a, on a fairly rigorous schedule. Um, other things that I'll look for are comments from um, letters of recommendation, sort of indicating that that person is easy to work with, that they get along well with their peers, things like that. Um, and that's pretty much it. Those are kind of the big things that I'm looking for. But that that letter of intent for me is really the the big one where it's like, okay, this is who this person is. This is why they want to do a residency. Um, and this is sort of what they're building towards. I'm looking for some advice on how to research programs that are across the country where you may not even know anyone there or have never heard of it before. So how do you kind of look into programs and see if some programs may be a good fit for you or not? Yeah, that's a great question. So the first thing that I would recommend doing is figuring out what that means to you. So in order to determine if a program is going to be a good fit, I think you have to know what a good fit would be. And in order to do that, I think it's important to kind of reflect on why you're pursuing residency training and what you'd like to get out of it. So I think of, you know, residency training and sort of like the skills that you're trying to develop as uh, as a resident as, as falling into you know, three or four domains. So you've got clinical skills, right? So you want to learn how to be a really good clinical pharmacist. And most programs are going to have you know, pretty good opportunities to learn how to hone your clinical skills in general. Um, but if you're interested in specializing in a certain field, say emergency medicine or critical care, um, you may get more engaged preceptors at a uh, PGY-1 program that offers a PGY-2 in that specialty area. Um, then you know that you have people that are, you know, really involved in the field. They really care about resident education, and there may be an opportunity to stay on um, and early commit to that, that PGY2 program. So that's, that's sort of the clinical arena. Um, the other aspect of residency training that, that you may or may not be interested in is research. Um, if you're interested in learning how to do research, and you don't have to be to do a residency, right? Some people just wanna learn how to be really good clinicians and don't like research, or so they don't care about learning how to do it. Uh, but if you are interested in research, I would recommend going to a, an institution that has a pretty good track record for producing um, high quality research out of that um, program. Um, so, you know, for example, again, if you're interested in, say, infectious diseases, um, 
you may want to look at residency programs that have faculty members or pharmacists who work there who are actively involved in publishing high quality research. Um, the other aspect um, of residency training that I think is pretty important is, is teaching uh, or learning how to be a preceptor, learning how to teach in a classroom. And so again, if that's if that is important to you, and it doesn't have to be, again, this is this is something that you need to figure out for yourself. Is like, but if if you do want to learn how to be a teacher, if that's something that interests you or, or something that you may be interested in doing in the future, um, you'll probably want to go to a center where you'll work closely with you know either pharmacy students who are on rotation, uh, so you can learn how to how to precept in that one-on-one -on -one fashion, or you know work at a facility that's close both in proximity and in relationship to a college of pharmacy so that you can potentially have some didactic opportunities to teach in the classroom. And again, if that's something that you have no interest in doing, then you know you know you don't have to look at programs that you know have those affiliations and things like that. Um, the other aspect um, is administration. So if you're interested in learning how to be a leader, how to manage uh, a pharmacy, things like that, um, there are varying levels of what different residency programs are going to offer in terms of administrative experiences. Um, you know, ranging from like purely clinical programs that really don't get you super involved in sort of the administrative tasks of running a pharmacy all the way through, you know, HSA specialty programs that are combined PGY1, PGY2 that train you to be a leader in pharmacy. And so, again, really thinking about what matters to you, what are the big things that you want to get out of residency training, figuring that out will help you to narrow down that, you know, huge list of residency programs to those that really fit your um, intention. And then because you know what your intentions are in applying to that program, it becomes much easier to write a letter of intent as to why you want to train there. That makes a lot of sense. Well, that's pretty much all that I had for today and we are out of time. So thank you again for coming back this month. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, suggesting a topic, or if you have any corrections or an omission that you want us to recognize, please send us an email at farmcast, that's P-H-A-R-M-C-A-S-T, at pharmacy.arizona.edu. Thank you again.